0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Boutosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. Now get ready to receive a word from God.
1: Once again, thank you, Pastor Mark, for letting us come and celebrate with you. And Ms. Ashley, and thank you, church, for giving us the privilege of speaking into you the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And most actually, everything's going to be out of the amplified Bible tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read it out of that, and I'm going to minister to you. I was going a little different direction, but you know, God spoke to me a message not too long ago. And he said, I want you to minister this message. And I redid it and restudied it and went through it. And I just spent some extra time this afternoon and stuff. But I just believe that God wants me to minister to you this word. I want you to just hook up and let it get in your spirit. Amen? In Acts chapter 2, of course, we're familiar with that. But I want to begin at verse 1, reading out of the Amplified. It says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all seated in, you know they were all together seated in one place and the bible says when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a mighty tempest blast and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting my goodness it, like a mighty tempest blast god showed up on the seat he was loud when he showed up amen i mean he didn't quietly sneak into the room amen he made his presence known. I mean, he just blew in there and, and you, can, you know, it was just loud and wild. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and it says this, and there appeared... To them you know the, in their, to them tongues you know like the, of, of something like fire and it says which were uh, which were separated and distributed and was settled on each and every one of them no it says that, that these these tongues resembling fire came down upon them and it just separated there's 120 in this room and the and I mean there's a blast of God there's a roaring of God there's an anointing of God then all of a sudden boom all this fire the Holy Ghost begins to fill that place. And it settles on each one. Aren't you glad it didn't just settle on half of them or some of them? But this, this anointing got on every one of them. And then in verse 4, when we begin to read verse 4, it's amazing what he says. He says, and they were all filled. I like that. Diffused throughout their souls. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Well, hallelujah. With the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in, in uh, different foreign languages and tongues, as the Spirit, listen to this, kept giving them utterance, clear and uh, expressive, okay, with clear expression, and each tongue in appropriate words. Notice that God moved upon their lives, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and each one of them began to pray out in tongues and worship God. And it says, with clear expression. I mean, they just kept on expressing themselves, and they, they all had loud expression. No, they weren't sitting there going, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus. No, no, and with clear, loud expression. It changed who they were. It changed. Their, it took them from a group of afraid they're going to have something bad done to them. You've got to remember, this is a group that had seen them crucify the Lord, and then he had appeared to most of them, amen, and he told them to do this, and, and now they're in this upper room doing what the Lord told them to do. And here comes the power of the Holy Ghost down into this place, and he fills them up. And they are filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and, and they begin to get as loud as God was when he showed up. Notice that they got like God. God didn't get like them. Well, come on now. You've got to get a hold of this. God changed them. They didn't change God. When he came into the room, they were no longer sitting there, wondering what they're going to do. All of a sudden, with loud, clear expression, they began to express the power of God, and speak out in different tongues. In other words, each one didn't sound like the other one. That really helped me whenever I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, because when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I would pray in tongues, and I did, and I got. I finally, you know, uh, like I said earlier, we were Southern Baptists, and so I, you know, we, I'd receive the Holy Spirit. I was the first person I ever heard speaking in tongues. Is me amen I even went to a Pentecostal church hoping they speak in tongues they wouldn't do it so I was real disappointed so I went back to my Baptist church praise God yeah amen I never heard anybody I didn't know what it's supposed to sound like and 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 so you know I'd read Brother Hagin's book and got filled with the Holy Ghost and, and 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 I can remember you know uh when I I prayed and said I believe I received and and, and opened my mouth and took a deep breath and said okay I'm ready Lord you know and Lord and, and I thought what do I say and it was just like I saw a little something trying to get it, and I said and I went, What is that, Lord? I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm looking down inside. And he said, Say what it looks like and it looked like an L. So I went, L and it came up, praise God. And so I began to speak and, and, and you know, and then it started flowing, praise God. Let me let you a little in on something here about this this infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying in tongues. I've been praying in tongues for about five minutes, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm in. I, we're, Bonnie and I we had just finished up East Tennessee State University where I, I, I went to school, and, and then we were back down in, in Union Hall, Virginia. Hallelujah! And we were back down at the, on the farm there where she'd grown up, and. I was actually in the upstairs bedroom of that old farmhouse on that Tuesday night, June the 7th, 1977. Amen? And so I can remember I'd read that book, and and Brother Hagin's book, and I I got this, and I started praying in tongues. And, you know, I'd gotten a hold of the fact that in John 8, Jesus said that the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. Amen? And so I began to pray in the spirit just for a few moments. And all of a sudden, right over here to my left, you know, behind me, I could tell, you know, where he was at. Couldn't see him, but I knew he was there. The devil said, now, aren't you a pretty thing? I said, what? I'm I'm praying in tongues. He says, they they thought you was nuts down at that church. They're going to think you've gone off the deep end. You know that's not God. That's just you. Amen. That's what he told me. And so I just stopped praying for a moment. I said, thank you, Mr. Devil. And he, and he got quiet and he said, well, you mean thank me? I said, well, Jesus said in John 8, 44, you're a liar and the father of all lies. You can't tell the truth. And so if you just told me I'm not speaking in tongues, then you're lying. I must be speaking in tongues. So your confirmation that I just got the Holy Ghost, and I'm praying in tongues. So you just get out of here because I'm going to continue to pray in the spirit. And you're just mad because I just read in Brother Hagin's book there that you don't know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. You know, he just backed up his bags and left, praise God. Well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, had my prayer language, and then eventually Bonnie, you know, a couple weeks later, she got filled. And then we went out, you know, to, uh, to Raymond went to school and, and stuff, and, and we never heard anybody else speak in tongues. Just just us, you know. And I had my own language. I can remember. Let's just give you, kind of share a few little illustrations here, you know, fun things. We were there at Rhema. We just came out of the Baptist church, and we loved our Baptist church. We loved all the folks there. We were wonderful people and, and stuff. But we'd never been around, you know, people singing and shouting and praising and stuff. Well, so, so we go to orientation, and they're having singing and praising in the auditorium there, the old auditorium at Rhema Campus. And, and and so I'm standing there, and they're singing, you know, all these songs, and people are jumping, they're waving their arms. Well, you know, in the church we came to, they had a piano on this side, an organ on that one, and a choir sleep in the middle. Hallelujah, you know. And so we didn't have a bunch of that. And I can remember, I'm standing there. We're back, you know, about three or four rows, and and, and Bonnie was standing there, and I, I felt like my. something wrong with my arm it's like blood my fingers are tingling and I look over and she's got this death grip on my arm and this deer in the headlights look on her face and I pried her fingers off of my arm and I said what are you doing she goes where have you brought me to I said what do you mean she goes what are these people doing I said great spiritual answer I don't know But let's do what they're doing. That way, they won't know that we don't know what they're doing. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we just started doing what they were doing. We didn't really know anything, but we just started doing it. But you know what that introduced us? Because we were open, we went there to learn. We went there to be changed and transformed. You know, when we come to church, we shouldn't be coming to bring what we got in. We should be coming to receive and be changed and transformed and, and, and let God enhance us and, and grow us and mature us and then use our talents and gifts to bless and be a blessing. Amen? But my, my prayer language, you know, it, it, it didn't sound like anybody else's. And for a while there, I thought, maybe I don't really have it because mine don't sound like everybody else. I mean, everybody else sounds real smooth and stuff. Mine's kind of a little broken up. And, and I can remember, I, I was watching this program, and they were talking about some of these uh, indigenous tribes back in certain parts of the world that don't even have a written language. And, and they went in, and they were talking, and they were, they were, and their, their language, they knew what they was talking about. Sounded worse than my tongues. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said this, if they can speak a language that you can't, you think that, you you know, how in the world could they even understand that? He said, don't you understand that when you speak what I give you, I can understand you? And you know what? I just went ahead and said, glory to God with loud and clear expression. I'm going to praise God and thank God that he loved me and gave me something unique that was just for me. Amen. And this is what he did on the day of Pentecost. Each one of them received a clear language, a clear tongue, a clear thing, that they could praise God individually. Because, you see, even though we're a church as a corporate, we're still individual living stones, and we're individual temples, and God wants to work in each one of us, and he wants to just move in a special way. God knows your personality. God knows how you do. God knows what you're supposed to be. He knows your makeup, and he can tailor-fit you with the anointing that you need from him. And though it's similar to everything, it's uniquely yours. Isn't that good? And when we all blend together, glory to God, it begins to be something great and something glorious. Amen? Hallelujah. So God begins this, and, and now and that, so they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, you know when the Spirit of God begins to move and good things are happening, there's folks that are not going to like it. Anybody ever, you know? It's kind of like, you know, everybody, they used to preach, you oh, know, get the hundredfold, get the hundredfold. I said, read the rest of that verse. It says, with persecutions. I said, Notice, I noticed nobody wants to claim the persecutions. Hallelujah. I said, actually, you don't have to claim them because if you get blessed, you'll get the persecution. Hallelujah. Amen. But look what he says here. Let's drop down here. And let's go on down here around verse 13. And, and, and it says, but others made a joke. Of it and and, and, and they, they just spoke, you know, this is these people are just drunk, they're just, you know, this is they're crazy. You know, people aren't gonna understand the move of the Spirit of God because Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, Listen, he said, these things are spiritually discerned. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And so if you just deal with the things of God from the natural, many times it'll just seem foolish to you and, and you'll talk yourself out. Of what God wants to do in your life, but you have to reach down in your spirit, man. You have to reach down in the the, the the hidden man of the heart and begin to let God speak to you and let God move for you. Amen. So they're talking all this stuff, but let's let's pick it up here in verse fourteen. It says, "But Peter, standing with the the eleven, says he raised his voice and and, and he addressed the people and look what he says." He says, "You Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be uh, explained to you, so that you will know and understand and and, and the uh, all these things that are going closely uh, to what I have to say." And he says this. He says, uh, and and. I'm reading out of a real small print, so y'all just stay with me. And I'm not used to reading this Amplified. But anyway, he says this, and these men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day, 9 o'clock in the morning. He says, but instead, this is that which uh, the, which began at, you know, which God has said. let me read it like this. This is the beginning that was, was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen? You know what he says? He stands up. Listen, whenever the Spirit of God begins to move and the anointing begins to flow, And persecution comes. You know what you have to do? You have to stand up with everybody else and take your stand and say, no, this isn't wrong. This isn't the flesh. This isn't natural. This isn't carnal. This isn't something to be sneered at. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. We're doing what God said. Amen. And notice that he speaks out and he said, but instead, this is that which was, and then he goes on and says, and this is the beginning of that which was spoken. Now, there's, there's two things I want you to get a hold of here as we look at these verses. Number one, he said, he said, instead, this is the beginning of that, which was spoken by through the prophet Joel, and he goes on, and he says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. Now, here's the thing I want you to get a hold of in this. The apostle Peter stands up. Whenever everybody's wondering what's going on. Because, see, when the Spirit of God gets to moving, what has to happen is this. People who know what God is doing have to stand up and explain it to the people who don't know what God's doing. Amen? Instead of getting mad because they're persecuting or fighting it, why don't we stand up and begin to share with them what really God is doing? Amen? Amen? See, the Spirit of God doesn't come to divide. The Spirit of God comes to unite and bring us together. But here's something that I want you to get a hold of. He says in these two verses that we just looked at, he says, but this is the beginning of that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I want to look at the Amplified. But this is the beginning of that, meaning what? On the day of Pentecost, God started something new. Amen? Notice he didn't say this is the consummation of that. This isn't the conclusion of that. This isn't that which God said, and this is the days doing it. No, he said this is the beginning of that which the prophet Joel prophesied and spoke to us. Amen? Now, what am I saying to you? God was introducing to us, and we hear this term a lot. We've had, heard it in the news and everything, the new norm. Anybody heard about it? You know, we've got the new norm coming. Well, I want to tell you something. God set the new norm up on the day of Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago amen this is god's norm this is god's new norm and what we need to understand is god is speaking through the apostle peter and he's saying this is starting today and it's going to continue on until i come back because in these last days he didn't say in the last day but during these last days god said he would pour out his spirit upon all mankind amen meaning what days are plural meaning what happened on the day of Pentecost is supposed to happen the next day after Pentecost, and the next day after that, and the next week after that, and all the way until Jesus splits the sky and comes back for his church, that's what's going to happen. And what did he say? He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all mankind. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon your sons and daughters. I want to reach the children and the youth of the generation, and I want to put a prophetic anointing upon them. Revelation 19.3 says that the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. So when he says he wants your children to prophesy, it doesn't mean he's wanting them all to be a prophet. It just means Jesus wants to pour out his spirit upon this younger generation and make them a Jesus generation, not a lost generation. Amen? says, I'll pour out my spirit upon your old men. And they'll begin to dream dreams again, divinely uh, granted dreams. What's that mean? That that doesn't matter how long you've been saved and how long you've been serving God. God wants to pour out refreshings upon you and keep the dream of God alive in your life. God says, I want to pour out my spirit upon these young men. And they're going to have divinely granted visions. What's that mean? A vision is a redemptive revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I've been praying? I've been praying for God to move in the Joshua generation. You know that Joshua generation? It's that group that took over from Moses and took them on over into the promised land. It's that next generation that's coming up, praise God. And he said he would grant them the anointing of God to have a vision to reach the world. Listen, the devil has a vision on what he wants to do with the world, but what we've got to do is get before God and let the Holy Spirit give us a vision for what he wants to do for the world. Amen? And so God begins to speak these things out, and the apostle Peter stands up, and he preaches to the people, and he tells them all these things. And then you get down to verse 37. Let's jump down over here to verse 37. And, and, and Peter's been preaching to them, and, and he gets down, and the people are listening, and it says, now, now when they heard this, they were stung or, or, or in, in the heart. And it says this, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, and the specialists, uh, you know, and messengers, he said, what shall we do? What shall we do? See, right now, if the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, the world should not be persecuting us. They should be asking us how to get in. If we begin to release God's norm back in the church, then what will happen is this. People will begin to experience his anointing in their lives. Their hearts will begin to be touched, and they will begin to ask the same question that they ask, what must I do to receive this? How can I become a part of what you've got? How can I get it in my life? How can I work that in my life? See, this is the norm for the church, folks. This is what God wants to do. And you know what we do? We begin to answer them. Peter answers them right there in, in the very next verse. And it says this, and Peter answered them and said to them, repent, change your views. Look at that. Look what he says. He says, change your mind, change your views. Change, change the way you see things. And instead of rejecting God's plan, accept God's plan. Amen. You see, repentance means I'm going to turn from doing it my way and turn to do it God's way. Amen. That's what he said. He goes on. He tells him, he says, then you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to be baptized. And he goes on. He says this, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he says, and then he'll release you from your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, glory to God. What's he doing? He's bringing them back to a place where they can be empowered by the anointing of the Holy Ghost to continue to do the new norm that God has set in the church. Amen. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to look to him, and he wants you to change your views, change the way you see things, change the way you're approaching things, and turn to God and say, Lord Jesus, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to yield myself. You know what water baptism is? It is you declaring to the world that you died with Christ, you were buried with Christ, you've been raised up to a new life, and you're not an old person, you're a new person in him. And then he says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he went on and he he says something that is just so great to us. He says this, for the promise of the Holy Spirit, look at that, is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call or invite or bring into himself. Amen. You know what he's talking about there? He's saying this, you need to understand, this is a promise to everybody. Not just a few people, but everybody. And notice he says he wants you to get it. He wants your kids to get it. He wants your family to get it. You see, God's normal is this. God's normal isn't just having a couple of parents going to church. God's normal is parents and children and youth and teenagers all being saved, filled the Holy Ghost, on fire for God, and living their lives so that the world can see that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And you see, we as the church, we got away from that. We as a church, we got into things, we got into buildings, we got into all the stuff, and those were good things, but they were not the the necessary things that we needed to have. Praise God. Before we have anything else, we need that personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing of God, not just functioning on Sunday morning, but functioning every day of the week, and not just functioning in the church house, but functioning in our homes. Spirit of God moving, the anointing of God flowing. And you say, why are you preaching this tonight? Because we've talked about God making his new wineskins and pouring in the new wine. We've talked already about us pressing in and being filled so that we can witness for God and we can worship God and we can do spiritual warfare for God. But when then the we begin to get a hold of that, why do we want to do it? Because God is wanting to use us to bring his new normal back into the church that it becomes normal for us just like it was for them. See, God wants to do in this year what he did in the book of Acts right there, and God wants to change the world. In fact, he wants to get it to the place where they say about us what they said about them. They that have turned the world upside down have come here also, praise God. Why? Because all of a sudden, instead of being caught up and controlled by what's going on in the world, we're got, we've got caught up and controlled by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Instead of being full of remorse, we're full of faith. Instead of walking around complaining and crying, we're full of praise. Instead of speaking, that is moving in our lives. See, this is the Spirit of God and what God's calling us out. And he says, this is the norm that I want in the church. Well, somebody comes along about this time and says, Brother Huffman, this is the thing. If that's the new norm, why don't we have it? Well, there's a key to making this happen in the church. Look over here real quickly to the prophet Zechariah. Can you go over here in the Old Testament? Look in Zechariah chapter 10. This is, this is just a verse that, that should just really minister to you and set you free. In Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1, listen to what the prophet says. Ask the Lord rain. In the time of the latter of the spring rain. is the Lord who makes lightnings which usher in the rain and give men showers and, 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 and grass in the, and everyone in the field. Notice what he says. The reason, James said in chapter 4, the reason you don't have it is because you're not asking for it. And even though we're living in the time of the latter rain, guess what? We have to pursue these things in our generation. You have to ask for it. See, God works through us, not, he doesn't just work for us, he works through us. God doesn't just do it, he does it with us, amen? Jesus is the head, but we're his body, and the body is going to have to call upon the head to do this, and the head's going to have to have the body to respond to get it done, amen? And so Zechariah, the prophet says to us in the Old Testament, and and he says this, listen, in the time of the latter rain, are we living in the time of the latter rain? Is this the last days? Is this the time of God's presence? Amen. Is this what the Lord said this is the beginning of through the Apostle Peter? Didn't he quote the prophet Joel and speak it out to us and say this is what I want to get done? Absolutely. Is it God's will to fill you with the Spirit? Yes. Is it God's will to save you? Yes. Is it God's will to heal you? Yes. Is it God's will to do a mighty work in your life? Yes. Is it God's will to reach down and shake this entire region with the kingdom of God? Yes. Yes. Then why isn't it happening? Because Zechariah says you have to ask the Lord for this rain. And then you have to look to the Lord because you realize it's the Lord that ushers in the lightnings, he said, that brings the rain. You know what the lightning is? The flashing of his glory and of his power. Amen. The lightnings is God anointing. Boom. Somebody gets healed. Boom. Somebody gets delivered. Boom. This group over here, they don't know what happened, but they they started talking in tongues. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, the heavens begin to open up, and here comes the rain of the Holy Spirit. What were they doing the 10 days before the Spirit of God was poured out there in that upper room? They were praying and worshiping God and fasting and ministering. What were they doing? They were doing what the Lord told them to do. What should you and I be doing right now? We should, with all of our heart, be asking the Lord to send the rain of the Holy Ghost down upon us. We should be saying, Lord, come with lightning in your hands because in that lightning there's deliverance, there's healing, there's miracles, there's signs and wonders. And, Lord, take us out of the dry land that we're in and release the rain of your spirit and bring us into a rainy season. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't like rain all the time, but I want to tell you what, I like the spiritual rain all the time. Amen. And God is saying we have to ask for it. But it's not a one-time ask Listen to me. I'm building in something. You've got to get this. It is not just, well, let's go ask God and then leave it to Him. Go to James chapter 5, verse 7, real quick. James chapter 5, and verse 7. I want you to see something here. It's real important that you get this. You tie Zechariah chapter uh, 10 and verse 1 to James, the fifth chapter, and verse 7, and you begin to get the clear picture of what the Lord is saying here. James says it this way, So be patient, brethren, as you wait for the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land, and see how he keeps up his patient vigil over it until he receives the early and the late rains. You know what he's saying here? He's saying you need to be patient and persistent, and you need to stay at it until the Lord comes with the lightning and the rains begin to flow. Why are we praying for the rain, church? We're seeking God for the rain because we want to see the harvest of the land to come in. How many of you know, I'm sure you do down here, just like we know up in, you know, West Virginia is the beginning of the south. You know that, don't you? Hallelujah. Amen. It really is. Hallelujah. Half the southern state of West Virginia was south and the northern part was north. Hallelujah. And so we're in the south. So we're the beginning of the south. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's say go up to Maryland, then with the beginning of the north. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But what I'm saying to you is this. Well, you know that you you go out and you plant your seed in the ground. And, and you know, we cross right over the Ohio River in southern Ohio. There's a lot of flat land, and you can go during the, the farming season, and they've got that th- stuff plowed up and seed planted. But, you know, you don't see anything till it rains. It takes rain to cause that seed to come up. Amen. And so what James is saying is this. He's saying you need to be patient, persistent, and, and, and committed to the things of God and seeking God because what you're doing is you're praying for the Lord of the harvest to come and bring the rain into the harvest so that the harvest can be brought in. Amen? And notice that we have to have the Lord involved to get this thing done. Amen? And how do I get this thing done? I don't get discouraged if I don't see it in one day or one week or one month Amen See a lot of us we don't we don't add patience to our faith and that's why we get defeated And sometimes if we don't see an immediate result we get you know well maybe it's not working we start looking for something else but James ties in with what Zechariah says he says you not only have to ask you have to stay consistent before the Lord believing him and asking him and calling upon him just like the farmer plants his seed and every day he works that seed it doesn't just go out and plant it one day and reap the harvest the next he has to work with that and work with that and work with that until it goes from seed to harvest amen and what you've got to do is you've got to work with the Lord until he's takes you from your need to your blessing, praise God. And he takes us from a time where the enemy is ruling to the enemy is under our feet. And to have that done, you have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit operating in the church, amen? We have to have that. We have to have what they had on the day of Pentecost. We have to have what they had in Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius. We have to have what they had in Acts 19 when he went up to Ephesus and found some people and the power of God fell on them. And we have to have that. Well, how do we have that? We have to want it. Amen? God's not going to force it on us tonight. You can't just come and hope that God heals you. you got to come and, and press in and say, Lord, you're my healer, and I believe I receive. Amen? And we can't just sit back and say, God, we're just believing you to send revival. God doesn't just send revival. Revival is a result of us pressing in and praying and seeking God and desiring with all of our heart and saying, Lord, you said this was the norm. You said that it was your will in these last days to pour out your spirit over upon everybody not just somebody but all the people and on every age group and Lord God in our church we expect to see a mighty children's ministry we expect to see a mighty youth ministry we expect to see a mighty college age ministry we expect to see young adults ministry we expect to see young marriage ministries we expect to see seniors ministries because from the cradle hallelujah all the way through you said it's your will to pour out your spirit And bless people, amen. And change their lives. And so what is James saying? He says, You gotta get before God, and you gotta pray that and you gotta seek that and you gotta yield to that until it begins to manifest in our midst. Amen. Now now let's go over here real quickly and let me show you something. Look in in Hosea, the fifth chapter. Over here in Hosea, the Old Testament. These are, these are things the Lord led me to, and he told me to pray these things and, and to seek these things and, and read these things. You know, the fifth chapter of Hosea, the prophet in the Old Testament here, the fifth chapter talks about Israel being backslid and turned away from God. And God's worked with them and worked with them and worked with them, and they just kept rejecting Him, and they just kept looking somewhere else, and they kept looking to the world, and they kept looking for this and, the, and they kept looking for everywhere but God. And so finally, down here in this last verse in, in Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, God says this, "I will return to my place on high until they acknowledge their offense." You no, know said. God said, "You know what? If that's the way you want to be, I'll just let you have it." You want to be carnal? Be carnal. You want to be backslid? Be backslid. I'll just step back here and see see how it works for you. See, a lot of times we don't see that of God. But you know what? God says, you know, I've been working with you, but you don't want it? Okay, let me just pull back here for a moment. Look at that. And God says it this way. He says, until they acknowledge their offense and feel their guilt and seek my face in their affliction and in their distress, they will do what? Seek and inquire for and require of me earnestly. You know what God is saying? When we find things not going our way and the world is getting crazy around us, that is not a time to look to the world or look to our own strength, our own self to get it done. That's when we need to stop and say, you know what? Apparently, God, we've gotten off to doing something that wasn't right in your sight. And what we've got to do is this. We've got to change what we've been doing. And right here in the midst of this, we're going to seek you with all of our heart. God, we're turning to you. We're looking to you. We're going to pray to you. We're going to pursue you. We're going to believe you, Lord God, to do great and mighty things. And you know what God says? He says, saying in verse, verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he is torn and he, that he may heal us, and he is stricken that he may bind us up. You know what he's saying? He's saying when you see things are torn up and messed up, what you need to do is quit trying to run to the world and figure out yourself and run to God. And God says, you know, the moment that you decide that you want to come out of that, I'm going to be right here for you. I haven't left my throne. I'm still on the throne. I'm right here. I'm still the healer. I, just, when you get tired of, of, of going ever which way but the right way, I'll still be the Savior, deliverer, redeemer, healer, blesser. And he says, I'll answer that. And you know what God says? I'll heal that which has been hurt. And I'll, I'll, I'll fix that which has been torn. And I'll make you whole again, praise God. And you know, he gets down here in this third verse, and and, and the last part of this verse says, "For the, the for the the coming of the Lord, his going forth is prepared and certain as the dawn, and he will come to us as the heavy rain." Look at that, the latter rain that waters the earth. You know what God says? He says, "It don't matter how bad it looks if you'll turn to me in the midst of all of that." And trust me, I'll come to you as the heavy and latter rain, and I'll begin to change everything around you. I'll take all that dryness. Remember what he said in Isaiah 43, we already preached from? He said, I'll come and make a road in the wilderness, hallelujah. And I'll make a river to come into that desert. And he says, only thing that's keeping the river from flowing into you is you just need to come to me. He says the only thing that's keeping the road that that from the path for you to come out of that mess is I'm just waiting on you to come to me. See, a lot of us right now, we're at this place. We think that, well, you know, we're just believing God that whenever God's ready, He'll He'll come and bring revival. Can I tell you a little secret? God's always been ready. He's not the problem. And that's what the prophet Hosea is saying to the people. God has never been the problem. He's always been there to help you. But you've got to make a decision to come to him with all your heart and everything in you and say, God, be my help in this situation. And you know what? I'm not talking to us as individuals only. I'm talking to us as the church tonight. I'm speaking to this as a church. If we want to see the turnaround, we, you know, Pastor Mark, we've talked about in 2021 change and, and the move of God. But it's not going to just happen. Nothing just happens with God. Amen. And we can't just go about doing what we've done and expect God to do things on his own. All the scriptures I've showed you is the plan of God, but it's God working with the people who wants his plan. Amen? And so we have to turn to God with all of our heart. We have to begin to cry out to God. We have to yield ourselves to God. And when we do, God will pour his spirit out upon us. And you know what we'll begin to see? We'll begin to see the multitudes turning to the Lord because it's the spirit of God that convicts people and draws them. Amen. See, without the anointing and the Spirit of God drawing people, all we're doing is really just making them mad. Amen. You ever told somebody the truth and they got mad at you because you told them the truth? (laughs) But you know what? you get in the presence of God and let God anoint you and then go deliver them a message that God told you to give them and they won't get mad. They'll get convicted and God will draw them because it's the anointing now that's turning it from the letter that kills to the spirit that brings life. And God is calling us right now in this hour saying, here's what I'm saying to my church Draw back to me. Begin to look to me. Begin to trust me. Begin to get so sensitive to me that I can pour out my spirit in you, with you, through you, upon you, and for you, and change everything around you. Hallelujah. And, you know, I say it like this. If revival is going to begin, why not with me? Amen. If God's going to start doing miracles, why not with me? Why wait until it's already in? I mean, let's get in on the beginning of this thing. Amen. Amen. And let's, let's be that church. Hallelujah. Because see, God is calling out to us right now. He's speaking to us. He, and, and, and this is the thing you've got to understand. You say, well, this is kind of an in-our-face message tonight. Well, that's because God gave you faith so that you could look right in the face of your mountain and not be moved by it, not be afraid of it, and not be defeated by it. Amen? Did you ever read Mark 11, 22 and 23? I mean, really read it? Jesus turns to disciples in Mark eleven twenty two and says, have faith in God. I like what the Amplified says. It says, have faith in God constantly. Ooh, that means I don't wait till I need faith to get it. I, I just, I'm in faith every day. I'm believing God whether I, say, I see a mountain or not. Amen. But then you know what he says? He says, have faith in God. Then he immediately says this, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he is saying shall come to pass. You'll have whatever he says. Here's the thing. Jesus says, I'm giving you faith, and here's the reason I'm giving you faith in your walk, you're going to come up against some mountains, some problems, some things that look immovable, things that look so big that you're going to have to find some way to get around it. But he says, here's what faith is given to you for. Faith is not given to you to say how big the mountain is or whine and cry because you got a mountain or try to figure out some way to get around. He said, faith is given to you to face your problem, look a square in the eye and say, you're not big enough to stop me. God in me is greater than you. Now you get out of my way. You move out of the side. You just get out. I'm 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 walking through this place amen you face the problem through the power and the trust of almighty god and you use your faith to move the mountain amen but you see you've got to have faith in god you have to have that anointing operating you have to be right there believing that this is the norm for christianity see we have a move pastor mark and everybody thinks it's the exception but the move of God and churches on fire and people getting saved and filled the Holy Ghost and healings and miracles should be the norm, not the exception. Hallelujah. And it ought not be an event. It should be a regular occurrence. This week shouldn't be an event. It should be the beginning of what God is going to do in 2021. It ought to be a stirring in our hearts that we're going to pursue God. We're going to seek God. We're going to cry out to God. We're going to pray, and Lord God, this is you started this, and you're going to do it with us. You did it with Peter. You did it with James. Then you did it with Paul. And now you're going to do it with us, hallelujah, because it's your will. Till you come back, this is what the norm is. The norm is I got saved, filled the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, and I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and he made me more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. But we have to want it. We have to cry out for it. We have to desire it. We have to ask God for it. And we should be wanting it with all of our hearts. Why? Not just for our sake, but for everybody's sake around us. All those that are blinded by the sin of the enemy. Those that are blinded by the hurts and the fear that's being peddled every day. All the, all the, all the disruption and the, the disgust and aggravation that's got people burdened down. And all the attacks that the enemy's bringing. You know what we should be? We should be an oasis in the midst of a desert. Man, those rivers should be flowing out of this place and everywhere that river goes, man, new plants are springing up. Flowers are starting to bloom. Harvest is coming in. Lives are being changed. People are down there with their buckets. Glory to God. They, they, there's enough water there that they don't have to get a spoonful. They can get them a bucket full. Hallelujah. Why? Because a people got before their God and said, Lord, this is the norm. And you're the one that determines what the norm is, not the world. You're the one who determines how it's going to be, not the world. And, Lord, we're looking to you. Amen? One final scripture. I want to look over here in the book of Acts again. Let's go over here. Acts chapter 4. You know the stories here. And we'll just take a moment and look at this because we're going to pray here in just a moment. And we're going to believe God for miracles. We're going to believe God for healing. We're going to believe God to just refresh us, renew us, reanoint us. Amen? In boldness, empower us. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 4. You know the story in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. They see the lame man begging alms. And and so he looks up and asks for an alms. And Peter, of course, looks at him along with John and says, Fix your eyes upon us. And the man looks up expecting to receive something. And Peter says, Silver and gold have a number such as I have I give to you. And he reaches down, grabs him by the hand, and lifts him up and says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and be whole. And the man's ankle bones immediately are strengthened and made whole. And he starts jumping and, you know, isn't it amazing when people get a miracle, they just start, they don't care what people think anymore. I mean, he starts leaping and praising and jumping. and it's a, You're kind of fanatical, aren't you? Fanatical, I've been sitting there for 40 years, couldn't get up, hallelujah. I'm going to act like I'm a crazy man for a while, hallelujah. And, of course, we know the story. They called Peter and John in, and, and they got all upset, but, you know, several thousand people got saved because of it. You know what that healing was? It was a lightning flash of his glory that Zechariah said he'd do. And that lightning flash and a miracle took place and several thousand people got rained on.
0: Ooh,
1: hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to live in some of those storms, amen? I'm praying for God to send the storm. I want lightnings and wind and thunder and tempest blasts and rain being poured out and lives being changed. God is calling us to do this. In Acts chapter 4, then, of course, they they, they get upset with them. And, and so let's pick it up in verse 17. He says, and here's what they say to Peter and John. They said, but in order that it may not spread further among the people and the nation, let us do what? Warn and forbid them with a stern threat to speak no more to anyone in this name or about this person kind of sounds like the cancel culture out here today doesn't it? amen we don't want to hear any more of that stuff that you got you christian you be quiet you need to back off i'm gonna tell you something folks when god gets to move and they're going to tell you to be quiet they're going to try to censor you they're going to try the world is a mess right now and the world is full of the devil you understand that And here they are. And it's the religious people that's trying to tell them, we don't want to hear this anymore. So they come in and threaten them not to do it and try to shut them down and tell them, we're not going to have any of this. But, you know, you get right down here in verse 19. Look what the apostle Peter and John do. But Peter and John, look at that, replied to them. Notice they just stood together. They didn't just just want Peter and John both. They're in agreement on this, praise God. Look what it says. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you and obey you rather than God, you must decide or you judge. In other words, go ahead and judge us. We're not, you know, we're not going to try to validate what we're doing. You go ahead and make your decision. You do what you got to do. But look what he says. But we ourselves cannot but tell the things that we have seen and heard. We're going to do what God told us to do. We're not going to be quiet just because you told us to be quiet. We're going to be excited about the Lord. We're going to keep praising the Lord. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep declaring that Jesus is Lord. And we're going to be strong in our conviction to God. Amen? Hallelujah. And so they threatened them some more. But now drop down to verse 23. And they were permitted to go, they, after they permitted the apostles to go. It says the apostles returned to their own company and told all the chief, the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice together, with, united with one accord to God, and prayed. Notice that whenever they found themselves being persecuted for their belief and persecuted for their walk with God and persecuted because God was moving their lives, know what they did, they went back to their own company. Every one of us need a company that we can be a part of. Are you listening to me? No, what's that company for? That whenever we find ourselves out here being attacked by the enemy because we've taken a stand for the Lord, we have a company of believers that will unite with us in prayer and stand with us and encourage us and keep our faith strong so that we can stand up against that which is happening out there. Because you see, folks, the real ministry doesn't take place in here, the real ministry takes place out there and that's where you're going to be confronted by the enemy that's where you're going to be confronted by the, 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 the attacks of the devil that's where you're going to be challenged to be quiet and not let your light shine and not live for God and not be who you are but you need a company of believers that you can join with so that when you're going through that, they are going through it too and they're ready to join in and pray with you to stand strong in the way that the Lord wants you to stay Amen. And so we need that. The church has to become a company of believers that are so united that we refuse to allow the enemy to feed us in any way. And that we're concerned for each other. Notice that when Peter and John were released, they went back to their own company and the whole church began to pray. And it's amazing what they prayed. Notice they didn't start off with, oh, God, help us. They started off glorifying the Lord. They started, God, you're God. You created the heavens and the earth. You're mighty. You're wonderful. You're glorious. You're, I mean, you know, and they begin to worship God. Why? Because this is the thing, folks. They are not praying right now to shut these people up. They are worshiping God, declaring he is greater than the ones that are coming against them. And then they get down to the very back into this thing and they've been worshiping God and finally down in verse 29 they finally get to the place where they make their requests and now Lord observe their threats and grant to your bond servants full freedom to declare your message fearlessly notice they didn't say God strike them down defeat them break them change them They say, God, give us a boldness to speak the truth in love and just keep ministering to them. Because you see, here's the thing, folks. Everybody is an influencer. And the one who influences the greatest gets the most. That's how it ends. If my influence for God is greater than the influence of the person that's for the devil, then I will convince them to turn to God. And you know what they did? They prayed for God to anoint them with a fresh anointing and give them boldness and take away the fear and Lord, help us to still live this life outside of the sanctuary. Amen? And then they didn't just stop there. The next verse says they asked God to get involved with them while you stretch out your hand to cure and to perform signs and wonders through the authority and by the power of the name of your holy child and servant the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that? See, here's the thing. You know how you're an influence? When they attack you, you don't attack back. When they call you a fanatic, you run over and shake their hand. I'm doing something right. Hallelujah. Amen. I had a guy one time back in the day, you know, it, it, when, when Brother Hagan had first gotten the rhema going and the, you know, his ministry was really starting. You know, I, I was out there and, and I, I got a radio broadcast and I would find where he was at and I'd put my broadcast right after his. He had a building in an audience and I'm teaching faith too, so I'd just get I'd get right behind him and it helped me to get the word out. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm on the radio and I'm preaching and I'm doing stuff and I had a guy one time and he didn't like what I was saying, so he just walked up to me and says, you want them Hagan nights aren't you and he didn't mean it in a in a good way you know and so I ran over and gave him a hug shook his hand said thank you sir thank you I was only about 27 and he said what do you mean thank you I said you just you just put me in the same category with brother Hagen that's great hallelujah now he meant it as an insult but I took it as a compliment praise God And, you know, when somebody comes up and says, you're one of them wild Christians, don't take it as an insult. I say, whoa, hallelujah, that's the glory of God working in my life. Amen? Because, you see, here's the thing. I was privileged to get involved in the latter part of the charismatic renewal. That's when I came in to the move of the Spirit of God. And in the first church I pastored, we were still involved in that back in the late 70s. And, and and I can remember preaching and we were teaching the word and doing all we knew to do. But I would drive down. We, we were in a little old town there in West Virginia. We'd taken this church and, and, and stuff. And I can remember ladies in the church, you know, I pulled it. We pulled into the, the grocery store one day. And I look out and there's one of these little ladies in the church. And she's got two other ladies pinned up against the car with her hands laid on and praying in tongues. Hallelujah. And people were getting people saved, and they would, they would witness to them, and anybody wanted to pray, they pray with them, you know, down at the anywhere. they catch them out, praise God. Because, you see, the charismatic renewal wasn't just people getting filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Multitudes of people got saved because they saw God in operation. And then once they got saved, they got people filled with the Holy Spirit. And God said in these last days he would pour out his Spirit upon every person. And it would move again in a mighty way. But you know what we got to do? we got to get just like Peter and John. I'm not going to be discouraged if somebody says something to me. Because I'm going to tell you what. We pray here in a few moments, and you make up your mind. I'm going to go out here, bless God, and before Sunday, I'm going to witness somebody. And I'm going to pray for somebody. I'm going to let somebody know that Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to let my light shine. And you know what's going to happen? You probably run across, there's a real possibility, you run across somebody that don't want to hear what you got to say. And they may say, you know what, that might work for you, but this is a bad time. This pandemic's going on. Things are happening. I just heard on radio, and I don't want to hear that stuff. Now, you got a, you got a decision to make. You can either get offended and feel like, you know, this don't work, or you can say, glory to God, I'm just going to pray for that person. I sowed a seed. God, I want to thank you for using me to be a blessing to them. And, Lord, I'm not letting them change me. I'm going to stay at it until I change them. Hallelujah. And I'm going to bring them out of their fear now out of their hurts and out of their pain. And I'm not going to get mad at them. God, I'm going to pray for you to give me more boldness to love them and care for them and share the good news of the gospel with them until they can see the truth. Hallelujah. See, that's how they changed nations and cities in the book of Acts. They got so in and so committed and so caught up and so full of the Holy Ghost that whenever they were threatened, they were just like Peter and John. Lord... Give us boldness to stand strong and not waver just because somebody said something about us. Because, see, anybody can be a Christian when they're all patting you on the back and telling you how wonderful you are. But can you still be a good fireball Christian when they're telling you that you're a fanatic, crazy, I don't want to hear it. Amen? And that's what's going to bring revival, a group of people who know who they are in Christ, who are hungry for a move of God and are getting before God saying, Lord, send the rain, and here am I. Send me. Use me. And, Lord, give me boldness to speak your word. And, Lord, I'm going to ask you to work with me to stretch out your hand and heal and that signs and wonders shall be done through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to convince the people that you are God. And that you love them and you care for them. And the Lord, the more they cuss me, and the more they fuss at me, and the more they call me names, the more I'm going to pray for them, love them, and speak the truth to them. Amen? And instead of getting upset, I'm going to praise you and thank you and worship you until that hurt leaves and joy fills my heart. Because we're going to have a rainy season in Valdosta, Georgia. Amen? We're going to have a rainy season of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this city. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you for your word. Lord, we thank you for showing yourself mighty and strong. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, God, tonight for this, the, the, just, Lord, that you have reached out to us and touched us and called us. And, Lord, we receive your word. We just receive, Lord, Jesus your anointing flowing, your will being done. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to use us and work with us and through us. And we're going to be your vessels that bring forth that which you have. And Holy Spirit, we just yield ourselves over to you right now. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to ask you to just all over this house, just stand I want you to lift your, your hands up to the Lord. And, and, and right now, I want you to just, let's all over this house, let's ask the Lord for rain. Amen. And don't ask the Lord for rain for everybody else but you. Lord, send the rain down upon me and upon us. Lord, don't just send your rain down upon the church. Send it down upon the hurting and the lost and the, and the mean people and the, and the sad people and the hurting people and the deceived people and the griping people and the fussing people because, Jesus, that's who you came to set free. Lord, send the rain. Send the rain. Let your anointing flow. Let your power be released. And, Lord God, begin that which you began on the day of Pentecost in my life come on this is a fresh time we're getting renewed that's what these these services have been about making us renewed wine skins, so that God could pour in the new wine of the Holy Spirit so that we could be poured out miracle workers carriers of the gospel encouragers blessers, strengtheners living that which God called us to live. Anointed with fresh all and filled with His Spirit so that anytime God wants to use us, He can just squeeze and we'll let Him pour through us His love. Pour through us His anointing. Pour through us His healing power. Pour through us His grace and mercy and forgiveness and kindness. Pouring through us His very person. Touching love. That's what we're here for tonight. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We pray in this place. All right now Just pray in the spirit. Pray for the rain. Just ask God to touch and God to move. Lord, you spoke through the prophet... Uh, Zechariah, you said to Zerubbabel, "Not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, these things would come to pass." Lord, we've struggled so much because we tried to do it in our own strength, we tried to do it in our own power and our own might. But Lord, God is not us; it's you we're your vessel and we just ask you Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and anew anoint us with that fresh anointing empowering us and and, and strengthening us and Lord God may we walk in your compassion may we walk with your passion and touch people's lives and change people's lives and and, and help those that are hurting and Lord God right now we choose to forgive those that have hurt us we choose to, to release everything that's been a hindrance in our life we choose not to carry it any longer but to give it to you Lord and surrender to you Lord and Lord we thank you we thank you for your healing anointing that healing anointing flowing in us and healing us first thank you Lord for healing our emotions and healing our hearts and healing our, our our walk with you and healing us Lord God from every affliction and every insecurity and every everything that would hinder us from flowing and following and moving with the things of God And, Lord, we thank you that you give us the grace to forgive and the the grace to minister, the grace to reach out and touch other lives. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We magnify your name, Lord. Oh, Lord God, we ask you to open the heavens, Lord God, and come down. And pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord God. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We magnify your holy name, Lord Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to minister with the Spirit of God. But the first thing i got to do before I do that, I, I, I've had this in my spirit for, for all through the preaching. Somebody's throat is being healed right now. You've had problems in your throat, and God's healing that right now. There's a healing that's flowing out right now. If you'll just reach up and receive it, it's yours. The healing anointing is right there. It's, it's just you've had problems in your throat and God's healing that right now I don't know what it is but it's just right now God's touching in that area and just, just bringing full healing to you praise God His presence just fills this room right now come on His presence just fills this room right now just lift your, your, your hands and your voices up to God and just pray in the spirit and just begin to drink in of the anointing come on just begin to drink in of the anointing of God hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. David said in Psalm 92.10, Lord, you exalt my horn like that of a wild ox. You fill me with excessive strength and stately grace, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. You're here tonight, and you need that fresh anointing. you you know that oil gives you boldness that oil helps you to not be fearful but to be fearless that oil operating on your life and in your life causes you to have joy because in in Isaiah 61 3 he says he takes away the spirit of heaviness and places upon us the oil of joy and gladness upon me I don't know about you but I've, I've needed that oil of joy coming upon me and helping me praise God And I've needed fresh oil. And I've needed excessive strength and stately grace. Just not enough strength to get through. I'm talking about excessive strength. It's more strength than I need to face the situations that I'm having to face. There's a real world out there, and there's real struggles and real problems, but we serve a real God who's got real answers and has a real anointing that destroys yokes and rolls burdens away. Amen?